0: you're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma, you can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. Oh, wow. I got a friend of mine that got a testimony. He, he, was, he was raped by his father and his father's friends at a young age in life. And all his life he was homosexual and spent five terms in a mental institution. That's a good, that's a good, got your attention already, didn't I? It's a true story, though. I'm not making it up. Great testimony. God came in, saved him, changed him, you know, changed his life. You know, th- th- those are the kind of testimonies that most people want to hear, how God supernaturally comes in, and and, he, and that, that can happen. I was raised in a Christian home, went to a Baptist church, and eight years old, got saved, and, I didn't kill nobody. <laughs> I felt guilty, you know, we, I, I played with horny toads, you know, the little things you don't see no more. I, that's the extent that, you know, they, they, had a, they had a book came out, Cross and a Switchblade. You know, mine was Cross and a knife. I mean, I, that's, how, that's how deep of sinning I was involved in. I was more scared of my mama than I was God. Some people have parents like that? Thank God for those parents, all right? I'll put your hand in back there. you. Uh, but it wasn't until I realized that I have one of the most awesome testimonies that I've ever heard of. Because I always kept looking at the negative. And this has, to do with the, it has nothing to do with the message. It has to do with the mini-message. You know, God to give you little blurps, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but on my entire side of my family, I can't think of a cousin, an aunt, and an uncle. I can't think of any relatives that's not born again. That, 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 and as Paul Harvey says, and the rest of the story is, Joy has no cousin or can't think. I mean, everybody on her side of the family is saved. Now, that's, that, that's a story that you can't, that's a testimony right there of a heritage that's been passed down from generation to generation of, born again, yeah, of, of the gospel being believed in the home and, and walked out. I mean, when you can't think of an unsaved person in your family lineage, that's not saved that but someone had to start that i run across more people that they're the only person in their family that saved wow what a ministry to start that process for your grandchildren's grandchildren's grand- how i mean how many of us in here are where we're at because of our grandmothers and our great grandmothers that prayed for us yep. see People doing things beyond their own personal life—they're doing things outside of themselves to set a generation to come. You can do that in the word, in the realm of righteousness, in the realm of finances. You can set a heritage. The scripture says that it's, it's that a person's not a, that says if you're a husband and, and, and you're a man, the head of the household, don't leave a heritage, an inheritance for your children, you're not a good father. It's not just talking about a financial heritage, it's talking about a spiritual heritage. That we need to leave a legacy to our grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren. We need, you, we need to live the life that, would see, when, when I do get some grandchildren someday, <laughs> and they do finally grow up, if I ever get to see that, such a man of faith that I am. I want them to go, man, my grandpa, he was a man of God. Because, see, I look back at my grandpa, and uh, I was sharing this on Wednesday night. We were sharing some scripture about heart physics and about um, you become what you behold. Who was here Wednesday night? Raise up your hand. That was good stuff right there, wasn't it? That you become what you behold. If I would have been quicker. I thought Joy would have had it, but she's, you know, slower. It says, you become what you behold. So if you behold an angry, mean, wrathful parent, you'll become that, even though you didn't like it. But because you were beholding it, that is what you become. Some people have to just forget their, you know, just quit looking. I know how many people have already said, well, I'm not going to beat my kids. I'm not going to be a parent like my, my dad was a parent to me and all this kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And you turn up and you grow up and be just like them. Oh, you're just like your daddy was. You know why? That's because that was the image that you were beholding. And so you became it. And so, so if you learn to behold something else, guess what? You'll become something else. If you want to live righteous and live, uh, let let tell you what. If you want to, if you want to be gangster, gangster. You know how you look around and you go, look at all them kids. You are going, look at them. They're trying to be all gangster. You know why they're becoming gangster? Because that's what they're beholding. They're looking at it. They're envious of it. They're, they're, it's in their mind. And they, pretty soon they start, they ain't no gangsta. They're gangsta wannabes. You know what I'm saying? They want to be gangsters. But they're just dressing. Because they're beholding what they're beholding. They're becoming what they behold. So guess what? We just need to behold something else. We need to behold righteousness. We, we need to behold men and women of God. And adults, this is Family Sunday, and I'm speaking to you. It says, your children need to behold you. They're beholding you. I didn't say that. She did. Get <laughs> mad at her. Are you something you want your children to become? This is what she said. I just said it louder. Are you something you want your children to become? Because the Bible tells your children to honor their father and the mother. That means have high reverence. That means behold them in great honor, in great value. So if you don't be... children, See, the children are doing what God said to do. They're looking up to their parents and taking advice. And they're watching how we live. Are we living? Are we doing? Are we being the example? Are we setting an example of righteousness in the home? Amen? Should we take up an offering and repent and come to the altars? And No, just kidding. All right. Let me get rid of this. Thank you so much for your giving and your faithfulness. We have so many people in this body that are faithful givers. It's incredible. And it's just incredible of the ones that have taken partnership with the gospel that are in this body, that are being faithful with their partnership. And doing what God's called them to do to get the message out, Amen. It's just incredible. So, how can I say no to that? But go ahead. I
1: don't know. I I I kept kind of denying it, but I don't know. I guess maybe somebody needs to hear it a little. When Curtis was talking a minute ago, he was talking about our heritage and and how we can be praying for our family and everything. I don't want any of you to belittle. That because I I kept hearing somebody say, well, all I can do is pray. The only thing I can do for them is pray because they're far away. The only thing I can do is pray. I want you to know something. My aunt, um, who was an incredible woman of God, and my mom prays for me. My dad prayed for me. (laughs) I have prayer warriors all around me. But my aunt was a mighty prayer woman of God. I just know that. When Christina was an infant. She got real sick, and um, she died. And this is the thing I want you to know. I felt it the moment she passed. I felt that vacancy of her prayer. So I want you to know, if you are sitting here saying, all I can do is pray, Pray. your prayer is more powerful than you know. Because I felt it. So your prayer is powerful. Don't doubt it
0: amen all right turn with me to the book of 2nd Corinthians 2nd Corinthians oh somebody moved the tree I'll go get it yeah why you why you're turning your pages in your Bible to 2nd Corinthians All these electronic bombs, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go back to, the tree represents creation. This podium, our music stand, whatever you want to call it, represents Calvary. This represents the 400 silent years between the New Testament and the Old Testament. The Old Covenant, or the law starts in Genesis. And the law goes all the way to Calvary. So the Old Covenant goes from here to there. And the New Covenant is on this side of Calvary. Turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And as I explain this, now we've done this before in, on, a Wednesday, on a Wednesday night. That's usually when we do this type of thing. We're going to try to do it for the rest of you uh, today and then put some more in there. Uh, we're going to talk about the word glory. The word glory. Uh, in, the wor- in the Greek, the word glory is doxa. Doxa. It just, it, it's, a, it's a vast word. It's a word in, that in churchdom, that we, we have lots of words that we just throw out there. That we don't really take the time to stop and think about what it really means. Everybody's heard the word glory, right? But what's it really mean? How does it really fit? How do we apply glory? You know, what does the Bible really say when it says the word glory? Well, the word glory is a very vast and extensive word. There's three or four pages. When you really look it up, you can really do a lot of study in the meanings of the word glory. But in one of its most popular and most understood meanings of the word glory, or doxa, is, is basically it means... God's view and opinion. Let me explain. When it says that in the word where it says, They saw the glory of the Lord. When the shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Do you think the word glory was just going around them? No. The word glory is God's view and opinion. A better word to understand view and opinion is it's His reality. Everywhere God shows up is His view and opinion. You know, it's his. When, when a miracle takes place, that's the way God sees it. God sees people well, so a miracle takes place. And so when we're praying for the glory to manifest, we're, praying for, we're literally praying for His reality to be made real to us. It's His reality invading our reality. And that's why we call it glorious. Because it's, it, it shocks us because His reality is different than ours. Does everybody understand that? Yep. You know, at one time they saw the glory cloud in the Old Testament. Well, it wasn't a cloud, but it, it's, it's the very presence of God being made manifest in our presence. And it takes on different forms. All right? And so we're going to be talking about the word glory and understanding, but you need to understand what the word glory literally is meaning here. It's meaning view and opinion are His reality. All right? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, what we're going to do is I'm going to have you hold out your hands. And for those that have done this two and three times because of Wednesday night, just go ahead and help but just do it so everybody else can see you doing it. But I want everybody to hold out your hands like this. Yes, it's crowd participation night. Alright. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go through here and begin to I'm going to begin to read in chapter three, verse three. And what we're going to do is, as I read certain things, you're going to put some things in your left hand or in your right hand. And I just want you to move those hands so you understand exactly which hand or what part of the timeline is being read about. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go one step further. And I'm going to stand over here. So when I say something about the Old Covenant, I'm going to stand here under the Old Covenant and I'm going to move my left hand. And when I say something according to the New Covenant, I'm going to stand over here on this side of the cross and move my right hand. Alright? So, when doing it your way, when I say something of the Old Covenant, see this fits you, it's backwards to me. You're going to move this hand. New covenant, you're going to move the right hand. Verse 3 says, Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, okay, but by the Spirit, the right hand, of the living God, not on tablets of stone. Where was the stone written? That's over here. Does everybody see how this works? Not on tablets of stone but on tablets of the flesh, that is the heart. So here you have two different tablets that are being written on. Stone and heart. Old covenant, new covenant. Got it? Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. And we, and we have such trust through Christ toward God... Not that we are sufficiency of our to think of ourselves anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the, the letter, but of the spirit. For if the letter kills, The Spirit gives life. Does everybody got that? Now you need to stop and ask the question real simply. And we have brought this up before, but what was on the first day that the law at Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, the first day the Ten Commandments, the the law written engraved on stones, the first day they showed up, how many people perished? Three Three thousand. The first day that the Spirit showed up at Pentecost, how many were added to the church? 3,000. The law brings death and the Spirit brings... That's what it's talking about. Okay? I think that's pretty good. If you had not seen that, you need to see that. Verse 7. But if the ministry of... If the ministry of death. Now what are we talking about? It explains it real clear here. But if the ministry of death. Written and engraved on stone. There's only one thing that I know of. That's ever been written and engraved on stone. But if the ministry of death. Written and engraved on stones. Was what? Glorious. Glorious. See. In the Old Covenant, God gave the law so that it had glory. It was glorious. Does everybody see that? Now, what's the word glorious? His view and opinion. It's his reality. In the Old Covenant, God used the law to dispense his view and opinion. Does everybody see that? It had glory. God's, any, like when Moses, we're going to read here in a second, when Moses got around God's glory, it got on him and he was glorious. He radiated. We're going to talk about that. But this, see, God had a view and opinion over here on how to deal with people. He dealt with people according to the law. Do you see that? Under the law, or through the law, is how God dealt with old buddy Uzzah, who reached out and grabbed the... The Ark of the Covenant from falling over, but because he wasn't clean, God smote him because the law said he had to be smoted. See, that's, that's how God, that's how he dealt with people was through his law. That was his reality. That was his view and opinion of how he was going to administrate and how to be. Look what it says here. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel should not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. So what was passing away? That glory, that way of living, that reality of God was going away. It was, spo- it was disappearing It started out glorious, but started fading right away. How will the ministry of the right hand, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness, exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious, this over here, had no glory in this respect because this glory excels. This glory is a different glory than this glory. Do you see that? This one is fading away. This one excels. The reason this one is greater is because, listen, this glory is so great and glorious. This reality, this view and opinion over here is so great, that glory can't even hold a candle to it. And that glory was passing away. Does everybody see this? Okay. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation... Had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. See, one of the problems we have in churches and church in America, people are hearing about the law and it's producing death and condemnation. The law will produce death. Have you ever been to church and felt like death warmed over? Have you been reminded how bad you were? And all the things wrong with you? See the children of Israel when they tried to go into the Jordan River across the Jordan River to the promised land for the first time they couldn't go because the law that they just had received showed them what was wrong with them. The law will get your mind off of God and get your mind on you. The law will see, will magnify what's wrong with you instead of what's right with God. We need to be seeing what's right with God, not what's wrong with us. Verse 10 says, For even what was made glorious, this over here, had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. See, the glory in the left hand has no glory in this respect because this is such a greater glory. For if what was passing away was glorious... Everybody say passing away. Where am I standing? I'm standing over here in this view and opinion of God. This reality. The way God used to be. For if this was passing away, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Why did Moses put a veil over his face over here? The Bible says it real plain and simple. It wasn't so the people would be blinded Because of the light, that's what a lot of people think. He was protecting his sheep because he was the pastor and he's going to protect his sheep by putting a, a veil to help so they couldn't see the glory. No, he put a veil over his face so that the people couldn't see that the glory wasn't there. He put a veil over his face so the congregation couldn't see what was passing away. The congregation was supposed to see That the way God was is not the way God's going to be. That this reality was going away and another reality called Jesus and grace was going to be. Because this grace is greater than that grace. This glory is greater than this glory. It's not the same glory. The Bible says that Moses put a veil over his face to keep the people from seeing the truth. And what do you call somebody who doesn't tell the truth? Wow. Never heard that from the pulpit before, have you? He hid the truth. That doesn't happen in ministry, does it? Verse 14 says, But their minds were blinded, not because of the brightness of His countenance. Their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. What? Is that what your Bible says? Does it say that you're blinded? It says they weren't blinded because of the brightness. They were blinded because they weren't told the truth. They weren't told the truth about the end of what was coming. The soon and coming end. There was an end to this way of living. There is an end to this reality on earth. There was an end to this glory. There was an end to this view and opinion. And there was a new one coming. Look what it says here. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. See, Moses, it's not reading about Moses. Moses represents the law. And whenever you read the law, a veil puts over your heart and you can't see and you won't experience the truth of the gospel, the goodness of God. Because you're still living in this old glory that has faded away. You're still living under God's principles over here instead of living in God's principles over here. The very principles of the Ten Commandments over here and the law was to bring death. Jesus hung on the cross. He said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am. He said, it is. It being the old covenant had come to an end. The old covenant was over. There was a new covenant. I'm getting more excitement out of little girls in here than everybody else. She was clapping. She was understanding. Man, I tell you what. We need to be... That is something to shout about church. But the reason the church doesn't shout about it is because we're blinded. Jesus, listen. Jesus, as He came down into the eastern gate right before He was crucified, He wept before the city Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem. You this day, especially you, you didn't know what made for your peace. Why? Because Moses hid the truth from them. And because Moses hid the truth, the next leadership helped hid the truth. Immediately after, when Jesus said what he said, the next verse says he walked into the temple. And throughout the money changes because the church, what was leading the congregation wasn't telling the truth. Mm. It's up to the church to tell the truth. It's up to the leadership in the church to tell people about the reality of God that's over here. Most people are being told about the reality of God that used to be over here. We're taught, we're taught I tell you what, we're taught the, the history See, Paul says, I didn't come to teach the history. I came to teach the mystery. He didn't teach the history. He knew all this over here, but he decided to teach this over here. Matter of fact, he, he said, I count all this as dung. I set all this aside. I don't even consider it anymore to gain Christ. Christ in me, the hope of... Oh, what's that word? Did you say Glory. The view and opinion of God. Let me go ahead and read this. Watch this. This is powerful. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where's the Spirit of the Lord at? There's liberty over here. Over here there's what? bondage it's called slavery read the book of galatians chapter 3 and 4 it says that you if you were born under the law you're a slave but you're no longer slaves you're a son a joint heir with jesus christ you're a king's kid i know we've been saying this for the last few months but there's no great revelation that we're children of god is it there's no great revelation in that we're children of God, that, we're, that, that He's our Father. I mean, we've said those scriptures for years. But the great revelation is that the people over here weren't children of God. Man, that still blows my mind. They weren't children of God. They were children of Israel. They were slaves. Yeah. They were under the law. Does everybody see this? It's no great revelation that we're sons. The great revelation is the fact that they weren't. Man, that should get you excited. You've been saved for such a time as this. You were birthed on the planet so you could be called a son and you could call God Father. They couldn't. They could only see God as God. And they were friends but they weren't children they didn't have dna they didn't have the spirit of god inside of them you do wow wow talking about identity issue wow that's powerful it says is now this now the lord is a spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty But we all with unveiled faces. What kind of faces? That means there can't be any law in front of your face. In other words, when you get to the place in your life where you don't have any law in your heart or in your face, in your view, you'll see, it says what you're going to see. But we all with unveiled faces beholding in a mirror the glory. What are you beholding in a mirror? The view and opinion of God. See, here's something you need to know about God. Yeah, but you don't know my past. Listen, the Bible says God, it is impossible for God to lie, doesn't it? It's impossible for God to lie. What does that mean? Does that mean God's going to try to lie? No, it means this. See this blue carpet? Everybody look down at the blue carpet. If God walked in here work with me. You can work with me on that, right? If God walked in here and said, that carpet is green. Guess what? It'd be green. Because God can't lie. No matter what he says, it's truth. No matter what you think about it. If God says this is green, and you still see it as blue, who's the liar? Ta-da! That's simple, isn't it? So... Over here, over here, if God says, you're no good if you break the law, you're guilty. That's his view and opinion. If over here, he says, if you believe in my son, you're free. Yeah, but I don't see my son. Who's the liar? See, over here is how he sees you, not how you see you. Over here is how he sees you. I need to say that again. That's simple. Over here, over here is how he sees you. This is his reality, this is truth unless you have law in front of your face and your face is veiled and you can't see the truth. Because if you don't have law in your face, if you don't have that veil, you're going to see this clearly, the scripture says. The more law you have in your face, listen, why was the veil of the temple ripped from top to bottom? I've taught this myself for years and I rebuked myself the other day. I threw away that tape set. You know, I've heard for years that the veil of the temple at His crucifixion was ripped top to bottom so that we would have free access into the Holy of Holies. Anybody ever heard that? We all heard that, hadn't we? Uh That preaches good, doesn't it? Why would we want access into the Holy of Holies if He's not there? The veil of the temple was ripped not so we'd have free access. The veil of the temple was to show us He's not in there. He's in here. He's in us. We are the temple of the Most High God. That structure's not. That way of worship isn't. He's in here. We have this treasure in earth and vessels. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. We are the temple of the Most High God. we got to get Him out. But we're not seeing the glory. We're still living life according to this over here instead of the glory that's over here. Let's go ahead and read the rest of this. We're not done. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from, watch this, from this glory to this glory. You got to get rid of this glory you got to let go of this way of thinking because this way of thinking is going to keep this glory from manifesting in your life. The scripture says this, Christ in me, the hope of God's reality. Let's say it that way. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God put Christ in me. God put the very power that raised Christ from the dead in me. God put His presence and His strength and power in me. Why? Just so I can go to work, be nice to people, make it through the day? Wait a minute. Christ in me is the hope The word hope is confident expectation. So God has a confident expectation of His view and opinion being made manifest on the earth. And He put it in me and said, there's all my hope. There's all my hope. Christ in me is the hope. See, glory, God's view and opinion... It's God's will for His view and opinion to be made manifest in His kingdom. And so He put all of His hope in us that we would walk in the glory everywhere we go. I don't know. I'm getting a wow. I'm enjoying this. Can you believe? Christ in me. Just don't say that verse. Listen to what's being said. Christ in me is the hope of God's reality. God has a confident expectation that when He put Jesus in us, in DNA, made us sons, that we would walk in His reality. Man, that's powerful. How many people here are King's kids? Raise your hands. Well, i tell you what, you've got Christ in you and it's the hope of glory. We need to walk that way. Man, this is so powerful. Therefore, since we have this ministry, have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. It goes on and on. This is so, so powerful. It goes on and says, look at verse 3 here in chapter 4. It says, But even if our gospel is what? Veiled? It is veiled to those who are perishing. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are perishing. Perishing. Because they have a veiled face. They're still living under the old covenant. Or some mixture of it. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe. Wow. It's all about believing. Why is this important? Why is it important for us to understand the view and opinion of God? because it says this it says in the book of romans let, let me just read this real quick this is this is real, real, it says in book of romans chapter 13 verse 11 it says and do this knowing that the time uh, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of a sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry of drunkenness. Nor in lewdness or lust. Not in strife or envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. I, I love what it says right up. For now is the time. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to what? Wake out of our sleep. Because the Christian church, the, most people in the body of Christ are sleeping. They're asleep. They don't know that they've been made alive. The Bible tells us that there's no difference between a dead person and a live person. They seem the same. Why is this important? Because remember what the word glory means. It means God's view and opinion and His reality. Isaiah, who is a prophet, declared in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the view and opinion and reality of God is risen upon you. We need to wake up out of our sluggishness. We need to wake up out of this this, this dead, veiled life and mindset and rise up to the calling of God. See ourselves in His reality. Understand what Jesus has fully done in the New Covenant, that this glory has gone away and you are now a son, not a slave. You are a son of the Most High God and that's how He sees you. You need to see yourself that way and you need to get rid of the law and that stinking thinking so you can see yourself the way God sees you. He saved you for this time. He saved you for such a time as this so you could make an impact. So you could change Durant. You could change Bryan County. You could change your life, your family's life, your children's, children's life. You can make a difference. You don't have to just wait. Man, I wish I knew this stuff when I was y'all's age. I've been dangerous. Man, to know that I wasn't subject to my parents. I'm subject to God's opinion. Your parents, my parents. I, I love my mama. Don't get me wrong. I love my mama. But you know what she told me? The one thing I heard this day, when I think about it, the one comment, you know, when you go, oh, I remember, you ever have a statement to your mom or daddy, I'm oh, all daddy used to say, this, you're going to grow up to be just like your dad. <laughs> oh, dagger in my heart. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to grow up to be like my dad. I'm trying to forget that. But you did, you grew up to be just like your dad. You know, it's a, it's a, so I wasn't subject to her view and opinion. Because i got a hold of God's view and opinion. My father's view and opinion. What the word says about me. And I didn't grow up to be like my dad. You understand? I'm different. I may look like him. I may smell like him. That's why I use lots of cologne. No, just kid, Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Listen. But I'm not like him. Because I got a different opinion about myself. Because what I beholded, I became. I beholded. A matter of fact, I was telling the Wednesday night group, and I hadn't even shared this with Joy, but I was telling the Wednesday night uh, class last Wednesday night, Joy and I just came back from the farm up in Minnesota, and I caught myself walking across from the house to the barn that I've seen my grandfather do I don't know how many times. You know, every summer we'd go up there. And I caught myself, I, mean, I didn't share this with you yet, but I, I stopped in the middle of, I mean, I don't know, 200 yards, I don't know, 150 yards in between the house and the barn. It's far enough that in the wintertime you had to put a rope across so when the blizzards came you wouldn't get lost. <laughs> you don't have those kind of winters here. But I I, guess. I, I, I caught myself walking like this. I stopped. I went, that's just how my grandfather walked. I saw myself walking just, it was by accident. I didn't plan on it. But because I was in the surrounding of my grandfather, what I had beholded, I became. Hmm. It's such a powerful truth. What are you beholding in a mirror? Are you beholding in the Word this glory? Are you beholding in a mirror this glory? It's time to wake up, church, to the reality, to the view and opinion of Almighty God, your Father, who's placed His DNA in you so you can be the hope of His reality in this world, in His kingdom. Amen? Let's stand up. Father, we give You praise, we give You glory for what You're doing in our midst. I thank You that Your Word, Your Logos, is, Your wisdom and Your logic is, is becoming reality as we surrender our thoughts to You. Holy Spirit, You are the great teacher. You are the great teacher. We continually ask that You open the eyes of our understanding to the truth of your word and that when we read your word we will see ourselves clearly because there's no law over our heart there's no veil covering up that we can look into a mirror your word and see ourselves according to the way you see us fully pleasing totally complete in Christ Jesus with all the power of the resurrection available to us.